What's the Crack Podcast, proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no obligations quote. Good evening and welcome back to What's the Crack Podcast in proud association with JMR Property Maintenance and the Rialto Plaza here in Cobb. Um, I know you're normally used to hearing David's voice uh, at this point. Uh, Dave can't be here tonight, so I've had to step up to the plate, as it were. Um, joined tonight by our, our special guest co-host, Ben. Ben Wood, how are you, would you, mate? Yeah, really good, thank you, mate. Thanks for having us on again. Bit of a step mate, up this week. Seems yeah. to be up every week. Uh, mate, it's what we try and do over here. It's what we try and do over here. Um, yeah, we've, we've got... Tonight that um, we've been looking forward to speaking to for a while, uh, and hopefully you guys do as well. Um, we're joined this evening by UEFA A qualified and current advanced professional development phase coach. I think I've got that right, Shay Thompson. Uh, having been in the coaching world, touching on best part of fifteen years, having started his career at Strachan Football Foundation, um, he's now at the City, and he's now here with us tonight. How are you, Shay? Yeah, good. That was a fancy title. I don't think I'm that important that one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, mate? I've done a research on your LinkedIn profile earlier. This is ready to fall off. <laughs> but I'll take that. It, it makes him look more important. That cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to um, it. Mate, mate, more than welcome. More than welcome. Um, you know, you're very vocal and you speak to City fans and a lot of our listeners are Cov fans as well. So you've got a great story as well. You, you know, with all our listeners, we'd like to go back to the start. Um, and we know that. You're a Cov lad. Um, I, I only found this out today. We went to the same school. You're a Woodlands lad. That's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. Ellis House, personally. West. Oh, you, oh, you <laughs> were one of those ones, were you? <laughs> the West one. Oh, poor lad. You got to put one of those little special houses that they started halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> I was in that one. Yeah, good times and good memories. That's where it all started off. It was good. Yeah, um, and you, you, you had a couple of ballers in your school team, didn't you? Yeah. Play, got lucky enough to play with Cyrus Christie. I always mentioned to him that I captained him for five years as well. I was in the school team, so I always put that one in. Obviously, I had a fantastic career. You know, I didn't think he'd go on and do what, and that's just down to hard work and what he's doing for himself. And I, Luke Lee, he was another one. Again, went into the professional game really late, and another one who's doing really well. So hopefully, he keeps progressing and doing well. So what was what was your football background then, Shay, as a, as a child? So kind of you you haven't played professionally, no. But I mean, you must have played at a fairly good level with the yeah, you just named. I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was okay. I, I, I never really had the mindset to go on. Being honest, um, a lot of people when I speak to say I could have could have gone on, um, but I never really had the mindset. And I sort of used that to the players I coach today about you know how important the mindset is to go on in the game. Uh, Cyrus had it. He, he never went out. He, Really, you'd never see him drinking when he went out. He would um, be so driven to be a professional footballer, and that's what ultimately gets you to the next level for me. Was coaching, was coaching your passion then, Pat, from the off? Uh, it, it, it wasn't. It just sort of fell into me. Um, I, I've always I left school with, with not many GCSEs, not really knowing what to do. Ended up doing a sports course because I was into sport, obviously into football, into Coventry City. Um, and then I ended up, like I said, get, getting my qualifications at college and then I ended up falling into it. And the journey I've been on, I, I can't really look back really because I've, I've had a dream always to be at Comptry City with like, involved in coaching and, and I'm, I'm, I'm strangely enough here and still there. So I'm <laughs> yeah, 100% mate. You, you mentioned, um, you know, we, we, we touched on Woodlands and playing with those lads. You know, 
we touched on the fact that I went to Woodlands as well. And you want about that mindset. There was a lot of kids that I went to school with that really could have went on and done great things in, in, in other games as well. You know, you, you will know lads that would have played professionally rugby, rugby, uh, cricket, other sports, athletics. But it's that mindset, and and I think that's what's so important, especially especially the age group that you look after at the minute. And I'm, I'm sure we'll go into this a bit more depth later, but it's a real sort of make or break sort of time in a, in a player's career, isn't it? Yeah, as in 16 now, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, massive. You know, they either go one way or the other. You know, I think what they get now, players in the academies, they get so much support and help and guidance. Um, whereas, you know, going back 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had that coming out of school. You know, you, you get sacked from a building site or get sacked. You don't, you don't get support on your next journey. Mm. You're off in the big wild world. When, well, well, now players, when they get released, you know, the, the support that goes into them and get making them go on to something else or helping them and the support because of the what's gone on in the past I think is massive now so yeah, they do get a lot of support and obviously we didn't have that 10 years ago rightly or wrongly I wouldn't have gone on to what I did if I didn't have the setbacks and you know I had to stand on my own two feet and carry on and kick on you know so yeah yeah um, so, going back to your did you play Sunday League and stuff as well knocking around yeah, I, I was always around you know in the in the A League growing up at Coventry you know John Bryan minor league actually I, I grew up playing in that yeah He's actually my granddad, believe it or not. Was he? Yeah. Wow. So he was a caretaker at Woodlands as well. At the yeah. Time. When he passed away, they named the league after him because he was one of the chairmen of the league. So I ended up playing that. And, it, and to, when I was 18, it was weird that, that I, I had actually never won the John Bryan Compton on the League Cup. So I joined a team that could win it. We ended up winning it under 18. But a lot of people look at me and go, why are you playing for Dunlop? You know, you should be going playing on for the mm. And But something I wanted to do for myself, really. 100% makes sense, mate. Makes makes a lot of sense. Mate, I, I, I was a, when I was a kid, I did the same thing. Chapelfield Colts, Mountain Highway, Hawks Mill. I had a season at Hawks Mill randomly with my pals. Yeah. Um, some great players have come, you know, yeah. that I've played, that have played against at, at that level sort of thing as well. And, you know, that have gone on the local scene. So, so that's obviously your Sundays. But were you Saturdays? Were you playing um, men's football at all? Or? Yeah, so Saturdays I was playing for the Neaton Town at the time. Um, so I captained them at under-18 level and again, I, I had a little pre-season first team, uh, 23s and I just, I ended up going completely away from it all I just lost the love for it really when I was 18, 19 and I ended up getting into the things, rightly or wrongly, again I look back probably shouldn't off, uh, but you learn from their mistakes really uh, Yeah, that was it and then I ended up So what, what age were you when you really started coaching? Sorry, mate. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. What, what age were you when you, uh, when you got properly started coaching? So, I, I said I got to a stage 18, 19 where I was getting in different jobs and I was going in, 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 in my So, I ended up going to the Track and Football Foundation as a player. Um, so, it just started off with Danny Elliott. It just started off. I ended up playing there. And for the, I, was, I was banned from football for six months for, getting, for, for doing something to saying something verbally to a referee, which I shouldn't have said, uh, and end up doing a bit of coaching uh, for that six months. So the Strachan Academy looked after me. I did a lot of coaching and I just started assisting and still playing. So I, was, I was putting out cones for Gordon Strachan, you know, around important people. And then I just suddenly, something clicked. I thought, I'm actually quite enjoying this. Mm. Uh, so at 19, then I become an apprentice coach. I started and then at 20, I started getting more responsibility and earning. And at 21, I ended up getting a job 
City part time with the younger age groups while doing my stuff at uh, the Strapper Football Family. Uh, and then it went on from there, really. You mentioned Danny Elliott there. Uh, we've had a chat with Danny on, on this podcast. Um, I think he's forgot more about football than I'll ever know. Like, what a bloke. Um, and, and we've touched it before. It's just such a pivotal age and, you know, you can be heavily influenced by the people around you. Do, do you think, without being too corny, you owe quite a lot to Danny and, and, and the guys at Strachan to kind of get you back into football and keep you on the straight and narrow? Oh, massively. You know, the they opened up the college programme when I was 18. I think there's a lot of them going on now. The Kyle Baker's got one um, mm-hmm. lot around. Um, and what they do do, it, it just gives you an extra couple of years to really think what you want to do while keeping your discipline in mind. You know, you're getting up in the morning, you're getting out of bed, you're doing education, you're doing your coaching courses, you're doing an education. It's so, so important for me. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing now. So that was the start of my coaching journey, really, at the age of 18, 19. So... What 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 age was it, Shay, when um, when you got approached to do the under 19s? I believe you became the under 19s head coach at Strachan. Was that correct? Uh, yes, right. So I ended up doing. They put me on my badges, so I did my level two UEFA B. Uh, at the age of 23, I was still a young coach. Wow. Um, I got offered the the role there as full time and head coach, uh, and then I had another two years doing that till I was 25 and then it ended up moving on to Coventry full-time four years ago but yeah it was it was great learning listen I got a lot wrong um mm-hmm. when you reflect I got a lot wrong a lot of experienced coaches that you could they could have gone you know what you you can get rid of your ear sort of thing but they sort of stuck with me because I knew I was a young coach and looking back it was massive learning for me as a coach on my journey um but I, I loved every minute of it being honest you know there's still players and, and the lads now that I still speak to and they still ask for advice which is great um, but it's, I, yeah. I love that about your journey, though. Mm. The fact that at 23 years of age you're coaching under 19s. I mean, how how did you find that? I mean, I've I've taught in colleges at the age of like 21. I've been like, whoa, I'm about like that. Must, that's a big role for you to undertake under someone with such a name as well. I yeah, mean, that must have been some pressure. Yeah, I, to be honest, I had again experienced people around me, so they took a lot of the pressure off me at times where I'd probably say things but I shouldn't, or d- I'd done a coaching session that they probably got wrong. They'd still, you get a lot of learning from it. So if you put a session on, I go, that didn't quite work. That or, but the respect was always there because one thing I had is, uh, rightly or wrongly, I was having myself at that time. You know, mm. back there, I thought I knew everything when I was 23, 24, but in fact, I actually knew nothing. You know what I do now? Absolutely knew nothing. I was, I was in my own little. <laughs> Uh, whereas, whereas I was having myself, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really ask much questions and want much help. Whereas now, I'm completely the, the side of the scale. You know, where I'm a very, I ask questions. I don't tell players. I ask them what what think here. What you know, mm-hmm. on the my learning and my mistakes as a, as a young coach. You know, yeah, hundred percent. And obviously, you've got just coaching at a young age. You, you, you've played a bit. You say that you, you, you're having yourself. Is that one of those ones where, where you're putting on sessions? Did it frustrate you a little bit if, you know, they, they weren't picking it up straight away or the, or there's bits that you, you think would come to you second nature that some some players didn't necessarily pick up? Yeah, so again, going back to when I was a younger coach, um, you, you'd, you'd be more flippant and you'd say things which, you, you know, that ain't good enough, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't put your mind and their mind sort of thing, actually, they don't quite understand. So a lot of you look back, they probably didn't understand what I wanted from them because I wasn't explaining it properly or they were visual learners or different type of learning to, to what they were. Whereas now you'd, you'd sit back and reflect, well, he doesn't quite get that, but why doesn't he get that? 
there's got to be mm-hmm. a reason why you've got to break it down. You might have to sell it to him a little bit differently. So every player is different, whereas before it was demanding, it was standards, it was uh, this, that and the other. Whereas now you've got to understand everyone's different. So I might, for example, Neil, I might start hammering you because that's what gets the best out of you, where Ben might yeah. have around the shoulder. And you've got to understand mm-hmm. the person and who you're dealing with. And that's massive. Whereas going back again 10 years ago, I probably didn't, you know, if that makes sense. Whereas now I'm very much, I think I'm very skilled at connecting with people and players really. Again, I think personability has to be something that has to be taken on as a coach. I remember as a kid, um, I had one coach that, um, and I don't know if you know him, uh, being local, you may do, Roy Slade. Um, I've known Slade years. And Slade, he was of, of the adage that I'll show you how to do it. Because if you see me doing the doggies, you see me doing the hard work, you then can't turn around and say, well, I'm not going to do it because... With all due respect to Slady, I think he's seven eight now or something stupid. He's yeah. he, he's knocking on, but he's still fit as a fiddle. He's, he's still doing it, you know. And if you see, you, you know, as a player, you're stood there. And you're like, well, f- fucking hell, if he's doing, it, I've got kind of got it now, haven't I? Sort of thing. Um, is, is that something that you've ever sort of implemented? Yeah, I yeah, like to be honest. I always go back to um, you. If you go back to your school teachers in your day or your coaches as a younger coach, it's all about how they made you feel, not how much they know. And that's something that I've always talked with me now. They don't really care how much they you know. Or they, they, how do you mm. make that person feel? And, that, and your best school teachers, your best coaches growing up in any world of life, it's how they made you feel foremost as a person. And you got see, to uh, take that. I, I, see a lot of, I see a lot of myself in, in your coaching standard show. I know we spoke before Neil obviously came on. But obviously I went from coaching to teaching. Yeah, and the disparity from from coaching, where like it is quite stubborn, you've got you've got to like kind of you've got to rate yourself in some yeah. environments. Then going to teaching them to put an arm around someone or yeah. you know say things in different ways. I mean, I think I think this leads on to a good question. Like, how do you feel coaching has changed now? Do you feel there's more of the teaching aspect to it? Do you feel like you've got to mould a, a, a player, a child, a person into what yeah. you want them to be, rather than telling them straightforward? Yeah, I think there is times where you got to be demanding. Um, there's times this season, last season, where we have been demanding on the players because we don't we feel as though they've, they've dropped the standards and you've got to pick them back up. Um, but yeah, it's it, it has it has changed, and I think it's changed for the right reasons because society's changed and people have changed. Uh, I think that's the, that's the first thing you can't you, you know if you're constantly going in and, you, and you're telling players off or you're shouting at them and you're being demanding, you know they'll just switch off and it lose all its credibility. Whereas last year, I think we probably used one real talent off where they've gone, whoa, and the impact it had on the whole culture and environment of the football club, it just went, wolf through the roof because we used it for that when we were waiting for the right moment to use it. Whereas, whereas now, if, if a player's been different, there's usually a reason why they are acting different, you know, or you see different. And that's, that, again, comes with connection and people skills and knowing the person, who they are, um, and just recognising when you, you said they need an arm around the shoulder because... If if, the, if someone is acting a bit strange, there's usually an underlying problem or something at home or something going on in their minds. And when you actually sit down with the player and you speak to them, they open up to you and you're like, wow, that, that's the reason why. It's, it's, they, didn't, they didn't either turn off for a bollock and there's something going on in their private life. Mm. And when they open up about something that's going on in their life, you think, wow, that's quite empowering, that is. You know, you're dealing with yeah. that. It's quite... 100%. Especially the age that you're kind of looking after as well. Like... Um, obviously, at the minute, you know, you're doing the stuff with, with the academy setup um, and the development setup at, at Coventry, and with, with Strachan on, you know, a lot, a lot of those lads are at that sort of youth level as well. So, 
mate, we all know ourselves what we were like at yeah. 16 to 19. Didn't know your ass from your elbow after the time, didn't know what was going on. So um, that, that's got to have its pressures. I think one thing that I kind of wanted to, to touch on, you hear old pros now talking about when they came through the game and when I was a lad and I did my YTS and we had to clean boots and we had to do this and we had to do that. It's gone out of the game and I, and I think it's a bad thing. Can you see the benefits of those sort of tasks that those guys had to do back then? Now, absolutely, absolutely, and and you you speak to people like Mick Sheffrey, Doyle, and it, it it made them the people they are hmm. today, uh, and it probably kicked them on into their careers. And they'll tell you that you know having to clean senior boots, having to do jobs. Now, there is, don't get me wrong, there is an element where we do that. You know, we don't just go, oh no, it's all fluffy because it's not all fluffy. Because and and they're there, you're prepared. Well, listen. Yeah, you're preparing them for life and will challenges where it is tough. So we don't go, oh no, we'll do that. We'll pander to you. We'll do there is an element where, but not as much sort of thing. If that makes sense, not as mm-hmm. not as much. But there is still no. You're tied in the changing room. You, you get that done. That's your job. Right, your job's on footballs. You make sure they're pumped up and they're cleaned every set every day. Right, you're on the staff boots. Make sure the boots are cleaned because at the end of the day, they're going into a first team environment where the first day the manager might call you this, that, and that, and you've got to be able to deal with it or do yeah. that. Michael Doyle, captain, he's not running around. You, you, trust me, you're getting told in certain terms, you're not running around. And they might not like the way I So you've got to prepare for real life. And that, that's not just a football, it's life. It's in, it's in life. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, so we, we, we talk about the track and stuff. You've got the head coach role. You touch on that you're at Coventry part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about and how did you balance the two sort of priorities as well as the roles? Uh, I'll be honest, Neil, I didn't really have a life, but I, I loved it. So I'd go away from work with under-19s where it was, you know, we we wanted to win. And I look back and it was all about winning. Yeah, we wanted to see players progress, don't get me wrong, but we wanted to win a lot of games. Uh, and we did. We ended up winning a lot at the time. And we ended up getting a good reputation ourselves South because we are winning games. Then I'd go into, so I'd do that 9 till 4 quickly get home, put my Coventry City stuff on and I'd go over to the academy and coach six till half eight, then get home at half nine. And that was literally four nights a week doing that. Plus a Sunday game, I could be at Swansea or anything else. So it literally, Neil, and I say this, I literally didn't have a life. It was all coaching. But the learning, so going from an environment with Strachan where I thought, where they're more old, not old school, I don't like the saying old school, where they're more, um, you know, a bit different to going mm. into the academy environment where it was more teaching and it, and it took me no word of a lie it took me three four years to get my head around the academy and how it works and how you have to work with young players and everything else because i, I couldn't get my head around it because i only knew one way yeah. um whereas it was demanding standards whereas this is actually i don't know i've got to teach these young lads the game and give them little bits because they don't quite know things and you know, and that's what, and ultimately, I ended up coming away from the Shrekker and going into the Coventry City one full-time, and, I, and it, I've loved every minute since I've been at Coventry. I think I'm in my fifth season now, full-time, and I've loved it. I feel that, I feel that comes through as well, mate. You speak so passionate about not just um, not just your role, but the club as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one question I want to ask, have you ever coached younger than kind of the 16s? Um, and if so... Is, is anything there kind of stood out to you in terms of development ages, where they learn the best kind of thing? Yeah, so, uh, Ben, when I first went at Coventry, I was an under-10s coach. Uh, and then the academy manager at the time, Richard Stevens, he, he after yeah, yeah. 
six weeks he thought he's not an under tens coach because <laughs> 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 he went he's, he's not a work for them and the kids to be fair I, I'm, I'm enthusiastic and so the, the players will bounce off me anyway because I've got good enthusiasm about me and they've got good energy so they, they bounce off you anyway, anyway but so I went from there to under 12s and then the side football I did that for a year or so then I went straight to the 14s and then I went from there to 16s um, where I thought I was best suited around the 16s and 18s, obviously, because I was at the Strachan Academy. Um, mm. So that's where I always wanted to be, the 16s and 18s. And obviously, I've done four years now with with the... Sorry, this is my fourth season now with the under-18s. And you know, I've loved every... I, I can't see myself working at another age group, really. Obviously, I've been around the 23s as well. But, yeah. It's, um, it, yeah, I, answer your question, Ben, sorry. The, the, the players at a younger age, they, 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 they thrive on every word you tell them sort of thing. You know, you could tell them... Yeah. And, they bounce on it, whereas you, the older age groups, you've got to be a little bit more cute in what you say and how you say it. Whereas younger age groups, I think they're a little bit more easier to manage and, you know, because you don't have to shout them to run around because they love the game and yeah. <laughs> they're just so enthusiastic and they're just running around. So you don't have to have that element. Whereas you get to 16, 17, sometimes you've got to go, you're not working hard enough. Any chance you're running around? You know, and you've got to tell yeah. them, you know. But, yeah. I think, I, think, I think that's where, obviously, my question comes through from earlier. I, I mainly stuck with, like we said earlier, when I was with Jay-Z, kind of like the under-rates kind of side of things. You know, I've got that kind of like laid-back nature. I like the kids to kind of like vibe off me and stuff like yeah. that. But I think it already comes through. You've got that you've got that empowerment and you've got that knowledge and you've got the ways to kind of deal with the older players, you know. And I think I think what you're doing at the minute, you, you're doing a fantastic job, mate. So hats off to you. I appreciate that. It's nice to hear, mate. Thanks. Just to touch on something you said there when you run about balancing the two roles, you say with the striking, you know, it, a lot of it was about results. In your job now, and this is something that I've always wondered yeah. at, at development sort of age, how important is the result at the end of the 90 minutes? Or is it more about getting those lads playing a certain way and developing their game? Yeah. We, we have objectives we want to get from the game. And, you know, I always think about. Y- 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 if we don't lose, we learn for a start. So we always say about what's the learning we took from the game if we get beat. I hate, and, and this is with a passion, I hate getting beat, but I can't show how much it hurts at times. Yeah. So there's times where we've gone to games and we've been dreadful and you want to absolutely go mental, but then you, you come away from it, you calm down, you take the emotion away from it and you're actually a better coach then because you're not emotionally involved in it. You can say when your emotions are involved in it, you can end up saying things that you, you regret or you end up saying stuff that you don't. You, you come away from it and you go, well, but... At under-18s football, we've become a lot more competitive. We, we, we've understood we've got to be more competitive. Um, the last two years have been a lot more competitive. We've picked up more points because we have been towards near the bottom of the, bottom of the league the last three years before that. And we've spoke about we've got to be more competitive. Uh, and I, I, I think winning's important. It is because at the end of the day, if you haven't got that winning mentality or mindset, you're not going to go mm-hmm. on in the game. Or a manager's yeah. not going to push you because you've not got the mindset. And it is important. And people are scared to say it, but it... For me, winning is important, but you've also got to see the development side to them and see them progress. So the work we're putting in the week, if it comes out in a game on a Saturday, but we might lose 2-1, but you go, hold on a minute, he's took that all on board and he's doing that, that and that. You go, well, that's a win for us. Um, because, yeah, and just, just to see them progress that week, you know, you, you, you put your train, you, you do everything, you do the analysis and for it to come out in a game and win a game of football at the end of it on a Saturday, you can have your glass of red wine at night and think you cracked it. But <laughs> realistically, it's because on Monday morning you're going again and then it changes again. You're so up and down with your emotions. It's, 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 it's good, though. You said it, you can't beat it. 
Go back to the question, Neil. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, no, it really did change. And... Go on, buddy, mate. We've just gone quiet again. No, sorry, Neil. Go on, mate. <laughs> I think I'm delayed a little bit. No, no, it's, it's all right, mate. I was, um, I, was, I was just saying, you know... And from a fan's point of view, that's really eye-opening what, what Chase said there about um, the, the, the development aspect and but still wanting that winning mentality. I, I suppose another thing that kind of um, I've, I've looked at is obviously your main role, Chase, to get players ready for the next step under 23 slash first team. But how often does it happen where you can't name your side because you don't know what the under-23s are doing or you don't know what the first team's doing? That's got to be infuriating, surely. It is. We've, we've had... Uh, we're, we're prepared for a game. We've had players taking offers on the Friday before a game on a Saturday and you're going, oh, my God, here we go. And it's just... It, we, we, you learn as you go on and you get become more experienced. You learn how to deal with it better. Whereas before, you'd be a little bit more flippant and going, oh, here we go again. But we've gone to... Neil, we've gone to games. We've gone to places where we know with the time we've got out, we're going to get beat. So we, you've got to look for goals and challenges and what, what we want to get from the game because we've gone really young. So say the 23s are top six, seven, eight, 18s players. We go brilliant. Great for them because they're going to mm-hmm. get, stretched. they're going to get stretched and find it tough. So it's going to be great for their learning. And then we're going to take the 16s off the 16s coach because and it's going to be great for them because they're going to get stretched. And at the end of it, some of them surprise you and you go, wow, I didn't expect to see that from him. And you always get something from it and you go, I didn't expect that. And it just, it just gives you a little bit more, you know, of that. But it is well, my job is to get them in the twenty threes. So if I've got two, two seventeens and four eighteens playing, the twenty threes are not playing for me. Great, and that's why results. You can't be heavily involved on results because that could happen. Whereas you got to say Crystal Palace. You know they've got twenty five scholars and twenty twenty threes, so they've always got the strongest squads in the twenty threes, strongest in the eighteens, and they haven't got many getting in the first team. Whereas a club like Coventry, we haven't got the best budget, so. You know, we run off a low, lower budget, so we've probably got 15, 16 scholars and we've probably got 10 under 23. So some of the first team go down to the 23s and some of the 23s go down back down to the 18s, 18s up to the 23s, if that makes sense. So it all, and, and I think it's quite fluid. I think it works because everyone's getting stretched, mm. Mm. So, you know, including the staff, and it, and it works because you all come together and you all want to buy into what you want to do and eventually get players into the first team. To be fair, that kind of links to a question I was going to ask you a little bit later on, but it's kind of linked in perfectly. Um, and it was the playing style within the club. Now, I've always looked at the England setup, um, and you know, had discussions how, uh, how I think England should be. And I've always said that there should be someone sat at the top who says, right, from first team down to under 16s, you play three five two, for example, but you have a certain style of play. You, you have your identity within that nation slash club. Is that something that happens at commentary where, you know, Mark Robin sits at the top and says, well, this is how we play in the first team. I want the 23s to do the same, 18s to do the same, so that there is that fluidity that you could just interlink between the, the sides. There is, there is a club and playing philosophy that the academy links to. So we've got the academy one, which, you know, from the age of eight, nine, ten, obviously it's diluted down a little bit, simplified a little bit better, but as they work up, the playing philosophy all links all the way through to under 18s and go on to the 23s. But what I've loved this, the last three or four seasons, because the football club since Mark Robbins has come back with Eddie Boivash, um, I've actually, as a coach, enjoyed 
um, mirroring what the first team do. So we've we've we played the three box three formation at times because we've watched the first team do it, and we get clips up of the first team because they play such a lovely brand of football. We can actually now start looking at Liam Kelly right and showing our under 18s. Look, this is what he does. Showing the right centre half what Dom Dom Hyam does. This is how they play out from the back. Why have they Why have they gone a bit longer this time while they're getting pressed? Yeah, brilliant. So we get clips from the first team and we show them, show them our lads and we sort of all links in. Mm-hmm. Um, but as in the top, obviously that the, the, the top, obviously the most important things for them to get three points on a Saturday, yeah. where it's a bit different for us. So their focus is predominantly on the first team and that, what they need to do because that you know that's what the, what the focus is. But we we do as the academy, we do take clips off you know the first team and how they played, or we might show them a goal or might show them a set piece. And because like you said, it's a, since the the gaffer and AD come back, uh, gaffer come back to the club, it's um, it's been exciting and and everyone's enjoyed watching the brand of football. Which I certainly am as a fan. Oh, yeah, hundred um, percent. It, it's a lot better than I, I won't name names because I don't want to throw you into the bus with people who uh, may have employed you in the in the past. But it's a lot better than some of the stuff that we've watched over the years. Um, you, you, t- you touched on the fact, you know, you, you wanted to get into Coventry uh, as a coach at some point. H- how did the full time role come about? Uh, and I'm guessing it didn't take much consideration. Yeah, to, to, to be honest, uh, and the academy manager, me and Richard Stevens, we actually clashed quite a bit because me as a young coach, again, going back, thinking I knew it all, I used to quite challenge him quite a bit. And looking back, probably a lot of times, I'm thinking, how was he put up with me that, that by then? You know, we used to we used to clash quite a bit. And um, whereas he taught me a lot, Rich Stevens, at the time. But it was it was strange because um, the Strachan Foundation were sort of expanding and Dan went his separate ways. And I went off to Australia at the time and I did six weeks in Australia. Um, and and I had a random phone call of Rich saying, look, full-time roles come up with the 12 to 13s, are you interested? And at that time, I didn't know if I wanted to stay at Strachan because I thought, I felt a little bit stale and I thought I've done all my learning and the players coming through weren't as, because um, the standard diluted because of loads of college programmes, it weren't something I thought, oh, I don't really know what I want to do next. So when Rich ran me up and offered me the job, I, you know, to go full time with a club where you supported, you've been a season to get already gone to Highfield Road. You, you know, at the time I thought there's no way I'm going to turn that down, and I was, I was over the moon, and that was going back about five years ago. Mm. Uh, and then I did a year with the 12, 13s full time. Then I got the 14, 16s full time the year late after that, and then the year after that I've become the 18s assistant, and now I'm with the 18s still now. So it's been quite a drastic journey but it's quite interesting my first age group at under 10s I've gone up the age groups with that group so they're now under 18s and in the last year so I've seen the, the progression from them at under 10s and seen what they look like to what they are now it's quite remarkable really it's quite That's mental yeah <laughs> when you think of that journey that they've gone on you've kind of gone on it with them and I'm, I haven't planned to ask this question but it's just kind of come with it so this is the point where the decision gets made whether they're going to stick around yeah. by, by the club. Yeah. How much input do you have in that discussion? It's it's everyone. It's it's the gaffer, it's AD, it's the 23s coaches, it's the academy manager, it's the head of coaching, it's you know the coaches around who work with them. We, we, you, you all sit together, really, and you, and you come up with, it, with what, what the plan, the right plan is for the player. You know, sometimes the journey might not be for commentary because there's not a pathway, so you go, right, what can we do next for him to help him? Whereas, you know, this year we got Harrison Nee through and George Burrows, two outstanding players. Mm. Still got loads to develop in, in my eyes. They've still got loads to do before they're anywhere, you know, where they go on because they're still boys. And that's why the 23s is great because it gives them actually two or three years development where they can really kick on. 
Uh, we spoke about um, obviously some of the under 18 um, was you was you ever involved um, when the City played Arsenal in the two-two draw that went to penalties? Yeah, no, oh, oh, that was Jason Founder's 18 side because he keeps reminding me that <laughs> fantastic FA Youth Cup run. It was the last time he did because since that, since then. <laughs> the FAU Cup. We've had some horrible, horrible times. And some, I, I think we've got a curse against the FAU Cup at the minute. You know, we've had some horrible times, but great learning experiences for the lads. You know, but no, I wasn't. I was there. I was at the game. It was a great game. We took them all the way. Uh, ben Chief actually played in that game against us. Which I, yeah, I, I, he scored one of the penalties. Um, but yeah, I was at the game. It was it was great. But since then, for some reason, the FAU Cup. Where was we've just had a little bit of a, a wow. We've had some. We've lost to Dunkirk. We've lost to uh, we lost to Lukogano. We got heavily beat to Southampton last last year, which was again a great experience. But one thing we did do when we lost to Southampton, we kicked on. So results wise and players, it, it give because you're on such a low, you got right. We've got to stick together. We've got to go again now. Mm. And you end up getting a, um, the last two three times where we've had some disappointment we've had a great kick on the back of it where we've, we've really kicked on afterwards so it's a great learning but it's a great competition there's one we're looking forward to again like being we've just had to go ahead that we're back at the Rico again in the FA Youth Cup which will be great Wicked. it's good it's all good see I, I, I remember as a kid I don't know about you Che I, I went to Highfield Road to watch that West Ham final yeah. um, with, with, with Sheffers Chucky Arabini um, and those guys, and we, we we spoke to you know we spoke to Chris Kirkland, and we spoke to Gary McSheffery about that game and what it did for their career, and sort of you know they still look back on it fondly. And it wasn't until we spoke to Sheffers where he told us that they had a reunion game last season. Yes, um, you, you know, and, and it, obviously it means that much to the players. Still, they still talk about it. It's still something that still lives that lives on. Um, but you look at that under 18s that under 18s fixture, and. Obviously, Arsenal are a massive club, but you look at you look at that squad. Obviously, Saka was involved. You know, played for England the other night and got man of the match. Do you use you use that as a sort of example with some of your lads to say, look, three years ago, this is what he was doing. He's doing exactly the same as what you're doing now, with the right sort of mindset and, and work ethic. You can follow that sort of journey. I think with commentary, we've had some good examples of our own. Mm. Uh, where yeah. lads go from under 18s and. They get fast tracked into the first team, or they get into the first team. They go on to somewhere else. So you, you can sort of use your own examples. You, you know what Arsenal could do. They've got the pick. They can buy players. They can get the best ones out of London. So you, you sort of expect players to get through in there. Whereas we, we, we sort of try and stick to examples of our own. If that makes sense, Neil. You know, you know. Yeah. You look at our wall at the minute. The academy, the stuff that's going on at the academy is is going to another level at the minute. You know, we really are pushing the the academy and the, the signage and what's the branding and everything that's going on. Um, but it's exciting times. I'm really excited what going forward or what's going on. And to be fair, yeah, that, that does make a lot of sense, Jay. And, and all respect to the city academy, you've got two guys who potentially could have been at the Euros that are coming through the academy in Callum and, uh, and James Madison. So. You know, and and, that, and that's not touching on other guys that you know are still playing the game at a, a fantastic level. Um, so yeah, and, a, again, hats off to, to, to what you guys are doing. Um, ben Chief, I, I've got to ask because now he's well, we don't know if it's gone permanent yet, but it hasn't been announced. Ninety nine percent of Twitter seems to think that Ben Chief's coming back, but but when he did come on loan last season, did 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 
was there any sort of oh yeah, I remember playing against Cov in that game sort of thing, or, or was there any sort of reminiscing as it were? Yeah, oh, not from myself, but I remember one of the lads. Um, I think it might be John Josh Eccles told me that the, the, the chat about it. He says, "Oh, we played in that game. He says it was a tough game um, that, they, that they played in, and it was it was a hostile environment actually for the, for the Arsenal players because they never some of them never played in front of three thousand. You know, it was three thousand mm. there. Obviously, we scored last minute. Um, Basile Sambo scored last towards the end, and everyone's on the pitch. Um, <laughs> it was great, but yeah, they do. I think Ben Sheaves mentioned it to a couple of lads, and they've had a bit of a laugh about it with Shippers and that, you know, because Shippers played in that game as well. So, no, it's good. It's good. And again, you've touched on the, the three thousand fans there. How do you feel as a development coach when when there is a crowd? Do you encourage it? I think there's not enough done in the academy football and to I always think there's a thing about fear and pressure with, with players and I don't think you know you look at other countries and what they do they get them in, in cages playing a five-a-side I think the 5,000 6,000 fans you know so they've got to be able to deal with that I look at our academy and players you know we, we played at St Mary's in front of no crowd and a lot of our lads froze you know and you look back at their mm. young their careers and you go well when has he ever played in a stadium when has he ever played in front of fans? When has he ever played in an environment like this against good players? He hasn't done it. So he's never experienced it in his academy life. So you actually look back and think, has he been... We had a lad, I'm not going to mention his name, went to Scotland and he absolutely... He went, he, you know, sorry, went to an international team and he completely froze. The feedback we had, he froze. And, we were, and I was saying to him, well, he's never been on tour. He's never been out of his comfort zone. He's never been, you know, like, so you're thinking, well, there's a reason why he has froze or not been himself because he's, he's never experienced it. Mm. I, think that, I think that's the, a big problem, you know. How do you experience players into pressures and fears, and that they've got to overcome and thrive on? See, f- from a fan's point of view, uh, and this is something that I've always, you know, kind of touched on in my head. I live ten minutes from the Higgs, yeah. And, I, and there's times where I look on Twitter and say, "Ah, oh, under eighteen's round today. Should yeah. I go down?" And then you think, "But would that put?" a downer on it for the lads. You know, if, if there's 200 of us stood on the side, is, is that too much pressure? Or, or is that welcomed by the coaches? Oh. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things that you, you, want, you, you want to do the right thing as a fan because you don't want to scare the lads that are potentially going to be playing yeah. for your club in five years' time. Yeah. So, like we said, we, when the 23s are playing, we get a lot of fans down there. And they, you know, obviously, they're not shouting the screen. They're just watching, observing, and everyone's got, obviously, their own comments about it and on players and who's coming through. You, you see it on the line and everything else. But I think for the 18s, you know, it'd be great. You know, we've had some, you know, some half-decent people coming to watch and, you know, you get a lot of scouts at games now and everything else. But like you said, it's something... It wouldn't be ever frowned upon, Neil. You know, if you get 200 fans down, that'd be great for the boys. They're all mm. buzzing it, you know, because they're not going to be coming down supporters, you know. But yeah, it's what you do get the same faces there. Uh, yeah. The same faces that you see and you speak to and you say hello to because, you know, they're always there supporting and they're saying good things and positive things, which is great. Um, so, yeah. Well, personally, I'll bear that in mind, then, mate. Because, like I say, I'm around the corner. I'll, uh, I'll definitely have to come down and, and, and see, see some, some of the lads in action. Um, Woody, you still there, pal? Just making sure you've been a bit quiet, mate. <laughs> it's not like you. I am. No, mate, I am. I am. My, uh, I think, I think, I think my internet's going a bit, uh, a bit screwed with again, but, but we're all 
you do sound a bit mechanical, mate, but I, I, think, I think we'll be all right. I've told you, mate, it, it's, it's living in Leicestershire. You, you know, it's it's not good for you. It's not good It's not good for your health. It's not good for your Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> and I've got to ask, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, is there any lads in your squad at the minute that you think this could be their breakthrough season? As in, what do you mean by breakthrough, Neil? Uh, that, that could potentially make the step up to, to, to the next couple of um, stages, it were, you know, whether that be a first team squad uh, or, or regular 23s football. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say there is. There's definitely some good talent within the academy. You know, I'm a bit of a busy person. I actually go and watch the younger age groups because um, I like seeing them development and seeing players coming through. Uh, and there's always players in every age group where you go, well, he's a talent, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they all progress at different stages. So one you might see at 12 and you might see at 16, he isn't quite kicked on. And there's one you see at 12 that you you might not quite think anything out of and then it kicks on at 14, 15, 16. Like, wow, look at his progression there, you know. Um, but there, there, there is in the under-18s, we've, we've, we've got some good footballers coming through. Um, I think there'll be one name you probably you might hear about pretty soon, which he was an under eighteen who's doing really well. Um, so yeah, there is good, good. And from a fan's point of view, the one thing that I think we're most fa- proud about as as COV fans, which I know you both are as well, is the success of the academy. Is the fact that we have got this production line of talent. You know, Josh Eccles is the perfect example, who went out went out on loan after you know playing eighteens and twenty threes. Had a great season out on loan, come back, slit, slit, face straight in the first team, yeah. you know, and, and talked to it like a doctor water. And I think he had a great end to, uh, towards the end of the season. Um, but but how is it keeping him sort of grounded? Not just Josh, but you know, a player in that sort of position. How, how is it? You know, if they go and play for the for the first team, you know, perfect example. The cup draw today. We have got Northampton at home in the first round of the Carabao Cup. The gaffer might look at that and say, Do you know what, it's the perfect opportunity to bring player A, player B in. But then they're on a the Saturday, they're back with you on a Saturday morning. H- how hard is that for you just to kind of make sure they keep their feet on the ground and say, yep, you've had that experience with the first team and, you know, playing in the competitive fixture at the Rico, but now back to work, as it were. Yeah, yeah. so you just ask, yeah. And to be honest, I, I always think that, you know, when I, was, I had a little bit of spar with, with Luke Tisdale with the 23s, there, I thought actually the 23s were better to manage than they were the 18s, you know, as in, you know, speaking to them and dealing with things. I thought they were quite level-headed. They were quite where they wanted to go. Um, whereas, you know, if an under-18 went up and come back down, you, you, you'd pull them and go, right, what did you take from it? I didn't do quite well. OK, what's the learning? Next time you go up, what do you need to get better at? What do you need to do? And that's just keeping them focused and go, right, OK, we'll work towards that. So you, you're working together. And as long as the player knows you're all working together to, if he gets another chance, he's ready for that sort of opportunity. Or even if it's with the 23s, like, you know, we've had lads go to 23s and they've had tough times and they've not really did well. So they come back and you go, right, what, what did you learn from it? Yeah, okay, brilliant. What do you need to get better at? Right, come on then, we'll work towards that then. So when you go next time, you you be more more than ready to deal with it, you know? So there's mm-hmm. that, sort of, that sort of pathway. But with going back to Josh Eccles, you know, when he was an under-18, he had a real tough time. You know, he was out injured. He had massive... I always think the players that have setbacks through the... You know, and they overcome the setbacks and the hurdles, they ended up kicking on again because... Josh went to Ginningham with Steve Evans, who quite everyone, you know, knows what Steve Evans is like. Yeah. 
some of the, you know, speaking to Josh, he had some great learning from that. You know, it was a great learning move for him and he really enjoyed it, you know, and he, it made him a stronger person going there. So, you know, whoever it was who decided that move for him it was a great one for him. Um, so, yeah. It, it's the perfect example of how the loan system can work. You know, and, and probably what it's designed for as well. You know, it's all well and good these guys being with you on a Saturday morning, but if they want to get to that next step, is yeah. it worth dropping down a couple of leagues yeah. to get that sort of experience? Thing, um, exactly that, Neil. What you've got, if we have under 18s, I want to go out on loan. Okay, just go out on loan. There's got to be a plan in what football club and why they go in there. You know, you go into yeah. Want to toughen him up, like let's get him. In. You know, the Madison one, for example, when he went to Aberdeen, he's gone there, he's, had to, he's gone up north. You know, he's a technical, pretty player he is, and he had to soon learn how to look after himself. And that was to yeah. make longer in his next stage of his career. You know, so there's got to be a plan in place and a purpose on why they need to go to that, make that loan move. If that makes sense. Not just you go out and loan and to help him because he's my mate. It's got to be for me under 18s wise. We go right. Let's get him. See if he can deal with that. See. So for me, it's more under 18s. Right. Let's get him out alone this end of the season. You know, get him four or five men's games. Let's see how he copes. And if he copes with that, then you go right. He's got half a chance. Because that's the one thing we were unsure of him that he could deal with that, you know. Yeah, you, you look at another loan move from last season. Um, Johnny went out to Iceland. Yeah, um, like that's huge for a young lad to oh. leave the country. You know, to to then go and play first team football and stuff. Um, surely you can see a difference in him when he's come back. You know, yeah. well, I'm guessing physically you can see a difference. Let alone, you know, how he acts. You've got to grow up quickly, Neil. You know, you've got to talk to people that you don't usually speak to. You've got to start identifying their culture and everything else. And they do. Johnny come back, you know, Johnny's quite a quiet player. He's, you don't get much out of him. You know, when he come back, when you spoke to him and asked him how it went, um, he was very, you think, yeah, he's got a lot from that. Just the way he's talking back to you and looking at you and speaking, you know, he's got a lot from it, which is, you know, great. Great. Again, perfect example of, uh, of how the, the loan market works. Ben looks menacing at the minute. We've got Ben back, I think. I think he's back now with us. Come on, buddy. I'm carrying you here, mate. And you're a big lad as well. Can you hear me now? Yes, can hear you, mate. Mate, I swear to God, I've got about 10 seconds behind. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know you're in Leicestershire, mate. It's not another country. We shouldn't have this sound delay. Like, I'm not calling you in Australia, pal. <laughs> Mate, honestly, when this goes out again, I'm going to get absolutely tortured for my Wi-Fi. Absolutely <laughs> Mate, don't worry about it too much. Um, we, we touched on the loan thing there, Che. Um, we'll let Ben catch up in a minute. Um, I always see some clubs that we look like, like affiliates. You, you hear that banded around a little bit. Um, obviously, we, we had a couple of lads going loan to Gloucester last season. Um, and then, uh, you know, we always seem to have um, conversations with Mikelover. I know we've signed a couple of players from Mikelover uh, um, uh, and clubs like Tamworth. Who identifies where a player goes out on loan, especially at that age? Do you have um, yeah. a, a role to play in that? I don't really know first team. I don't really know what goes on that level because obviously that's a different apartment. But um, I think... With the under 18s, it'll be more, yeah, you, you dip into your contacts and you, and you speak to, to people you know, or your academy manager might know someone, or head of coach, and go, do you know him there? Yeah, okay, I speak to him, say we've got a player for him, and that's how it works at our level. 
Um, I don't know if it, it might be different with, with the first mm. team. Sure, I've not not really spoke to him about that, but yeah, that's what we do with the academy lads, really. Did did your phone go off quite often then with uh, lads locally? You know, yeah. There's a strong there's a strong non-league sort of yeah um, presence in and around Coventry and Warwick. You know, clubs like Spinks, Coventry United, Copswood. Yeah, yeah. uh, you know, they've got good setups. Especially with lads that get released, you know, you get a lot of lads, what do you think to him? And we go, yeah, but you want to help, you know, that's who I played for, you come from, you know, Spinks is in the Cov United, you know, that they're the sort of clubs, Copswood, you know, you want to help them because that's where ultimately you get, you win Nick and our players from at a young age. So mm-hmm. you, try, you try and help them out as well. So, no, they're, they're great football clubs and they're all doing well where they are. Wicked. Um, and, What's the Greg Podcast? Follow us on social media for all of the latest news, releases, and giveaways. And what's the Greg PC? The, the the one thing that I kind of I've always wondered about coaching, and it's quite relevant because it happened today. So fixture release day happened today as we're recording this. At what point do you sit down as a coaching staff and look at the fixtures? Do you break on down into like groups of five and say, right, we've got a five game spell here? We want to get fifteen points, yep. or, or or do you look at it across you know the whole of the whole of the season and think, well, we can write off a couple of games there because we know that X, you know, there's things going on in the background that could affect it. Um, and how wide does that does that discussion go? Would that be a whole club discussion? Yeah, so at under 18s you you want to see the the player led sort of thing. So we we'll go right. The, these are our first six games. What do you think will be a good point tally and where we've successfully, what, what do you think wouldn't be as good, you know, sort of thing, you know. So we set our six targets out. Then you go six, six, say we play six games, six games. Then we start comparing them six games. So, right, in the second six games, is there any improvements to the first six games? You know, are we having more possession? Are we making more passes? Are we getting more final third entries? Are we defending the goal better? Are we conceding less goals? You know, so every six games we looked for improvements. Now, that sometimes can be a little bit misjudged because you could be playing in your first six for the top for the top five teams, you know, and you're thinking, well, we found it tough. And then you go into a second six where you're playing the bottom four. So, but mm-hmm. you try and work in sixes and go, right, we've got these six teams, lads. What do you think are going to be good points? Right. So at the start of the year, we do, we break down, right, what's going to be successful? And I know with the group we've got this year, they're going to go, right, we want to make the playoffs at under 18s. And they, get, they are going to say that because of that sort of group. And we go, right, okay, that's that's the main goal then. But what, what would be seen as a successful year for us? Where do you want, how far do you want to get in the FA Youth Cup? Right, fifth round, for example. Right, okay. We put that down. We want to get to the fifth round of the Youth Cup. Now, what do we need to do to get there? And then we start breaking it all down. Right, this is what we've got to do. This is what we've got. We've got to get the standards right. We've got to work hard in training. You know all the stuff to come out with. Mm-hmm. You get the players buying into it. And if you get a player-led culture and, you, and it's not the coaches driving it, it's the players, then you are flying. But it's the hardest thing to do. If you get the players going, no, you're late. That ain't good enough, that. You know, it's yeah. more, you know, or bollocking for giving a pass away. No, that ain't you. Come on, you've got to be better there. If it comes from the players, you go, whoa, we've got a proper culture here. That go that that you can really go and take them on a journey, but it's get we're getting there at the minute. We we saw improvements last year on it, massive improvements, and we've got to go again this year to go right. How can we improve the culture and the environment and everything else to to get to where we want to get to? I, I love that that you say it's player led because, like you say, that just gives a, a sense of ownership and, and responsibility in in what happens uh, on, on a game day. If I know for a fact, if, if I'm on the team and we've had a conversation before the game and we've said, yeah, Gaffer, we think we're going to win, you, you're going to pull your socks up a little bit, aren't you? And kind of, 
Because the last thing you want to do is finish the game and turn around to look you in the eyes of the gaffer and go, yeah, sorry about that, gaffer. Yeah. We've even spoke of staff at under-18s about, you know, we were seen as the, the, the teams that people go, right, you're playing Coventry City, you're going to get beat. No, sorry. So, say Sheffield, we're playing Sheffield United, we'd go to Sheffield United and our mindset would be, right, oh, we're playing Sheffield United, it's going to be a tough this is. Whereas, We've had chats this year and going, we've got to change the mindset of the players going into the game. That they can go and compete with Sheffield United. They can go and play Charlton and compete. Go and play a middle one and compete. That's what we've got to get to. They might change the mindset of the players and the culture of the academy to go, no, we're going to these places. We're going to go and win. We can compete. Uh, we saw a massive change in that last season. And, you know, I spoke to AD. He, he spoke highly of what we were doing, which was, which was great. And we become a lot. And he said, we've got to become more competitive. And we did that. We did that. You, you touched on... AD, uh, and you've mentioned Mark Robbins a couple of times, um, especially with how you know what's gone on in the world in the last 16, 18 months or so, uh, with lockdown and, and everything else. Ha- have they got a little bit more involved in what's going on in, in the academy as a whole, or uh, um, not? Re- not really. When you speak to them, they ask questions, uh, ask questions, and how you're getting on, and you know, uh, well, you don't really have much interaction because they're at the lodge, basic two different camps, so they're basically at the lodge. We're at the, the Alan Higgs Centre, uh, which has its pros and cons, which it all does. You know, if you're all on the same site, again, it'll have its pros and cons. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, AD's great with young footballers because he's come through the academy setup at Chelsea. So he's great. You know, when you speak to the young footballers that come through the academy, they, they idolise him and you know, they helped him improve and everything else. Um which is great. But whereas, uh, yeah, when I speak to AD, we'll be watching the 23s game, just to talk to him and listen to his expertise, you know, when you're having a chat with him, it's just, for me as a young coach, it's just like, wow, you grasp on every word, you know, because he's, yeah. he's outstanding. He just talks, the guy sees things and, you, you know, you're watching a game, he'll see something, you're like, wow, how's he seen that? You know? Yeah. Uh, but like I said, we don't have much interest. Me personally, don't have much interest. And, you know, on the 18s coach, so, you know, we're sort of left alone to, to make sure we're, Progressing the players to get into the twenty threes. Have you been to many of the games through through lockdown? Obviously, you know, us fans as such couldn't go, but you know, you work for the club, so yeah, of course, of course, you're going to be able to go. Yeah, uh, one of the lucky ones to go. Yeah, and you know, it's not, it's not, it's not the same, is it? When you you sitting above, I actually quite enjoyed sitting above and listening to the coaches. You know, you mm-hmm. sat above the dugout, so you know, it was for Chris Hutton was talking and just listening to what things they say because you can hear it because there's not much noise. Uh, I quite enjoyed that and that's one of the reasons why I went and obviously I'm a fan as well so you know when you come away from a win and you're all buzzing it's great to be fair that's one thing I've done I've turned the commentary off and I follow a couple of times yeah, just yeah. So you, can, you can hear the player conversations as well, that's it, um, players as well. Uh, and it's amazing that you don't hear that on a Saturday because well, of that buzz around the ground there's times now where I'm thinking I'd love the under 18s to be in now because we always speak about they don't talk enough and again you know they don't talk enough look at the talking that goes on in training and in the first team training and everything and you're like how can we get them to a game where they're sitting there and going look that's what it, that's what it looks like because it, young players they don't know what it looks like and it's not you've got to talk more and they, they don't know what, they, what to say or they don't know. It's mm. not that they don't want to talk. It's just they don't know what to say or what to. They don't quite understand it. Whereas if they went through games and they understood what people were saying to each other, they'd learn a lot from it. Is it okay, is that what you would say is the biggest disparity between kind of eighties, twenty threes, and the first team? As in the talking boys. How yeah, ironic a question about game understanding, kind of knowledge as such. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, hundred percent, mate. Is obviously 
the first team players are experienced. They've all got winning mindsets. You're dealing with winners on a day-to-day basis. Whereas R18s, you try and get them to that level and prepare them, give them bits and tips. I think tactical understanding needs to be better to get them to the next stage. Um, so we try and work on the tactical side of it, which we've improved on again last season going into this season. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so, Ben. Yeah, answering your question. Yeah. See, I know the facilities are fantastic at the Higgs. But surely, you know, as a coach, part of you just think, I'd love to be at the Lodge because you have then got that sort of, well, let's let's t- take 10 minutes and see what the first team are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or, or you always hear stories in football of the gaffer turning around to under 18 and saying, I need three lads to come and get involved yeah, yeah. Uh, in a drill and they kind of get that experience there. Is that something that in an ideal world you'd want? Yeah, before COVID, Neil, the, the gaffer, when we all sat down with the gaffer and AD, they had a meeting, they, they, they said, look, you're more than welcome to come up and, and watch the sessions and have a look at what we do. You're more welcome. And then obviously COVID come around and it sort of was on lockdown and right the show. Mm. Uh, so we've sort of stayed away since then. But yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't be a problem for the academy staff to go up and watch the sessions and learn and ask questions because, yeah, it's, it's good. Well, it's, it's beneficial all round, isn't it? If, if, yeah. if you're learning, it helps the club in the longer run sort of thing. So yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and to touch on COVID, uh, as you brought it up, how, how different has that made your job um, in, in terms of coaching the under-18s and then kind of looking to develop yourself as a coach as well? Yeah, so I, I haven't done much development in myself, I don't think, the last 18 months. So, you know, I like going to... I wanted to go to abroad and go to an Ajax or something else or go to other clubs in around the UK and have a look at what they do because you always pick up different things of different coaches and different clubs and cultures and everything else. And that's important for myself. You keep learning. You, the moment you start standing still and not wanting to invest in yourself, there's no point doing it. Um, but you've got to keep learning every time. Yeah, it has been a distri- It's been tough. I think when we first come back after the five months, the first five months off, it was like, wow, this is different. The players were coming in. Everything was set up. They couldn't touch the balls. They couldn't touch the equipment. They couldn't, we had to do everything for them. And as it started to ease a little bit, you know, the spraying, the COVID testing every day, it's become a little bit... It's more hats off to the, the head of medicine and sports scientists, really, because they're the ones that, that have to do that every day and make sure the temperatures are doing, make sure the it's a lot of work for them, extra work. Whereas as coaches, it's just more like, right, making sure they're diligent around the building, masks around, they're not mixing too much and staying in the changing rooms that they've been allocated everything else but it has been it's been a tough tough year and we can see now we're starting to get a little bit of normality going back which is which is great but the lads have been outstanding we haven't had any cases at all touch wood in the academy which is testament to what we did and how we did it whereas you know academies were shut down you know there's a lot of academies Mm. shut down and getting loads of people we 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 carried on going the whole time and that's we didn't have like i said one 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 positive test um which is great. Which is great. That, that's that's brilliant. That is like you say. My wife, my wife even works in a primary school, and even there, you know, you try and keep the kids apart. Cases were rife. You know, kids getting sent off left, right, and centre for tests. So to have, especially the sporting environment, you know, we've all been in change rooms. We know what it's like play fighting, and yeah. you know, just lads being lads with the banter and stuff. The, the, the one thing that I always found hard was, was was hydration and the water bottles. You always see it, even at Sunday league level, so, some geezer running on with his little bucket that's got 15 <laughs> bottles in it. Like, how, how would you go about saying, right, no, 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 you can't drink out of that one. You've got to make sure that's your, your one sort of thing. Yeah. Did, did that responsibility fall on the players a little bit just to kind of 
to say you you kind of look after yourself a little bit at the same time and staff so we have to say look you, you bring your own water bottles in you know we, we we can't supply your water bottles we can't you know this is your that's your water bottle and that's it no one else touches it you know we, they have their own spaces in the training fields they have their own cone like that's your cone your social distancing and everything else you know it was a bit bizarre and i mean you're looking around you know, what's going on here because they're about to they're about to pull each other and tackle each other and everything else you know in the sessions but you know we we obviously did something right because, like you said, we didn't get one positive test in touch with that continues. The lads have been superb and, and the staff, really, they've been excellent. Yeah, yeah, obviously, um, COVID, COVID permitting, you said, obviously, you want to travel abroad. So, what kind of what kind of coach would, would you say that you want to be or aspire to be like as such? Is there a foreign manager that you kind of like or is it is it what you are now is, is, is perfect for what you want to be. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'd all like to be Pep Guardiola, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't go amiss, would it? Yeah, yeah, we'd all be happy with that. No, um, yeah, I think, I just think you could, even going in and not going into a club, say, for example, going into Bayern Munich and watching their under-18s train, you could pick up so much from doing that, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Or going what they do and how they, what, what they do in a week and, you might take one or two bits from it and bring it into our environment, and you know what, but which help improve the players ultimately. Um, but no, fans are great. I, I'm really happy at, at academy football. I've got no intentions of going anywhere else. Um, I love developing players. I love. There's nothing better. There's no better feeling than being on the grass working with players. You know everything else that comes with it. Yeah, okay, it's part of it. But once you're on that grass, every problem in the world goes away, and you just work with them players and you're helping them improve, and then you start seeing improvements on a day-to-day basis. For me, there's no better feeling, and that's ultimately why I do what I do because to see them grow as people and players is something that I love doing. I love that. Love that. Yeah, no, that, that's that's mega. I, I, to, to be fair, I seen you tweet the other day, mate. Um, it's been five weeks since you've been on the grass one to go and you had the picture of the grounds. Mate, as a fan, I looked at that and I got goosebumps. I was like, that, you know, and I wouldn't nothing to do with coaching, but I looked at that and just thought, that just looks mega. Just to be able to, like you say, put your boots on and just... hours of your day where you just, everything goes out your mind and you're going, right, bang, this is focus now. This is work time. And it's just, it is. And it's sad. People think you're sad, you're right, you know, people. But it's, for me, for myself, there's no better feeling. No better feeling. Go on, buddy. I'm waiting for you to say something here. Sorry, mate. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think what you just said is, is absolutely bang on, mate. You know, um, there's there's nothing better, and and like you say, you, you you absolutely love your coaching, and it's very clear you've got that connection with the players as well, and and they're enjoying what you're. Um, I mean, it's it's just that tough, you know, the whole COVID thing, getting back on the grass after five weeks. What what's your intentions now? I mean, obviously leading into the summer. Where is it? Where is it you start with boys? Obviously, they must be coming back in pretty soon. Yeah. Um, what's what's kind of the the initial stages? Well, the back in the back in Monday for testing. So we we have a look if they've done the off season off season program to, to what they should have done, and they come back see if who's done it and who hasn't. Some of them say they do it and they haven't. Some of them log it and say they've done it but not done it to the best. So they're all different. <laughs> And you just got to put up with that. But yeah, they come back Monday for testing. All the whole the whole weeks for the season have already planned out what what it should look like. So we've already we looked at it today, week one to seven. What the whole, all the weeks look like leading into games, preseason games. We've got some great preseason games coming up. We've got Tottenham away at Spurs Lodge. Wow. We've got 
we've got Wolves, we've got a mixture, we've got going to Wrexham, um, we've got Cambridge, we've got Luton, um, so we've got a good variety in the programme, so it lets them excel at everything really, you know, um, and then that should make us ready for the first game, which is the 14th of August, but from now to then it's just getting them fit as strong as they can, start embedding tactics, start embedding what, what we expect from the culture and the environment, and then, you know, go from there really. It's going to be a good learning year because we're very young. So there's a there's a lot of young 16s coming through that now 17. So we're a younger year this year, whereas last year we were quite uh, we were older. You know, we were going to games where we were very second year heavy. Where this year we're going to be a lot of first year heavy. So it's going to be a massive learning year for the players. They're going to have some tough times. They're going to have some times where they're not playing, times where they're out injured, and it's our job as coaches to help them and pick them up and help them improve. Really, you, you, touch, you touch on the 16s. Uh, 17s, 18s. So would you say, de- dependent on the ages you got through, dependent on the type of play you got through, that, you know, that pre-season programme, so to speak, or the off-season programme, changes with each year that kind of develops as such? Or, or, or is, there, is there a common goal each year? Yeah, so it, it does change every year because you learn from mistakes you learnt from the year before. So you make it better. So this season, pre-season, we think is stronger you know, we didn't play a men's team last year, which we didn't think we should have. We, whereas this year, we're going to play a non-league men's team in the pre-season. You know, we thought that would be good for the lads. You know, they've got to go and play against men. Whereas young yeah. kids are going to play against men. You're thinking, what, they're going to get so much from that? Because um, predominantly, a lot of them will go into non-league and that's where they're going to end up, the majority of them. Or, so, yeah, it, it does change year and year. And every year I've been at the club, it's got better and better because you learn from the previous year from mistakes or things that you didn't quite get better at improve on. So. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I think one thing I'll say, and I really hope this comes across, mate. I can see you're chomping at the bit, like you know, the way you speak. And obviously, I'm having a FaceTime sort of conversation with you because I can see it in your eyes. Whenever you talk about it, you can just see you're chomping at the bit to get going again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for my football club, that's amazing, you know, because it means that the future of my football club's in safe hands. Um, you touch on that you don't want to kind of, well, I say you don't want to, but you, you're happy where you are. Yeah. But should someone knock the door and say, right, Jay, I've got a first team gig for you, yeah. sh- surely you've got to consider it. Um, at this stage of my life, where I am, I don't think I would. Um, I think if you ask me in 10 years' time, um, I, I think with, with the role we're in, as long as you keep producing players and make it play, you, you're in a safe role where, for example, you know, I worked with John Dempster, who was the Mansfield manager. Um, he he ended up being a Cali manager. I got the first team job, lasted three months, you know, as a first team manager. And it, the, when he reflects on his time there, the amount of things he reflects on, he's so honest. And you, for me, just to speak to him about, you know, what went on, he, he thought he was a little bit inexperienced. You know, if he went back in, I know from the learning he's done with me for two years and the learning he's done, if he went back in as Mansfield manager now, he'd be a successful manager. Mm-hmm. Just by his reflections and what he got, he th- I think I didn't get my, this right, this right. You know, like the things that he says. Uh, but I think I'll get to an age where I probably think, right, I'm ready now to have a crack with it. And you know, I've got ambitions in my, myself which I want to do. I'm not, I'm not going to go right. I want to be Compton City under 18s coach for all my life. You know, because that's not. I'm ambitious. I want to. You know, you, there is a stage we do. But at this moment in time, I'm really happy doing what I'm doing because I still think I've got loads more to learn at that level. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. Uh, I, I, and obviously the most important question, when that time comes, are you still going to be a tracksuit manager? 
Or are you going to shoot a boot up on the sideline? <laughs> I've been asked that so many times. Um, depends who it depends who it was for. No, <laughs> I'd have to say tracksuit at this minute. Tracksuit. Yeah, over that, or you, or you go Pep Guardiola and just look cash. Just <laughs> does it doesn't mess up that, does it? I've never seen a geezer look so suave on the sides of the pitch. When Mancini at the minute. Those grey suits, by the way. Oh, how are they pulling them off? We, like, fair play to them. We've got our, um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We've got our scholar induction day at the Rico, and I was had to put a suit on early, and I was like, oh, I'm not really saying me this. We've all got to put suits and that on. But looking forward to getting back to the Rico. It's been there for three years. So. Funny enough, I was up there um, two weeks ago. I won't disclose what I do for work because uh, I don't want people to know where I work. Uh, <laughs> but I, I was up there for work. And had a little look around, and I got the goosebumps just driving in again. Just, just, just pulling into the car park, just like, oh, I'm back here again, and got a little sneak peek of the pitch, and it was just, you know, block eighteen, just open it up, let me get back in, just, just yeah. let me just get back and watch some football. It's all I care about at the minute. I just want to watch some football. That's what oh, you know. I've, I've got in trouble over the years in some things I've tweeted or said, you know, because I'm a passionate fan. I'm like, well, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm not tweeting as a coach, I'm a fan, and I, you sometimes get, because I'm so passionate, you love the football club, you're like me now, and I'm I'm a supporter, you know, I, I go to games, and I'm not, I don't see myself as a member of staff, I'm a, I'm a fan, mm. I, you know, and it, when you get beat, it hurts, and you, you, you've got to take your fan cap on, and you go into work the next day, and you put your professional cap on, and you know, it's, it's hard for me to balance it at times, and I have got myself in trouble with things I've said before, but no, <laughs> it's, it's great, it is, I, I can't <laughs> I was just saying, it's got to be hard in the WhatsApp group, isn't it? As a fan, when, you know, someone's dropped a clangor on a Saturday, you, you just want to get your phone out and be like, are you sure, pal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is times that you go, yeah, it is. Because, you, you know, I am a fan, you know, I, I grew up, you know, went to my first game at Eiffel Road against Man United, and I'll never forget that, but it's just walking down with your dad at Eiffel Road and seeing that, and then you just suddenly love the game, and and then I got seats to get the Rico for years, and, you know, ooh, I wouldn't have thought then I'd be, be doing what I'm doing at the club and being involved in it. But so I, I'm, I'm appreciated to what I do. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I know a lot of people want to do what I do. But so I'm lucky. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I love, I love that. I love that, Shay. You know, it's um, you, you can tell as well. Like I touched on what Neil said, you can just tell. Like he's so passionate about mm. the club. I think, I think the question for me is, if he was offered a role. Elsewhere, let's say a, a Premier League club, for example, coaching, would you have the same drive, passion, and enthusiasm? I mean, you, you like you say, you've got that, you've got mm. that professionalism in in terms of a coach. So, do you think that would still come through, or do you think you'd be aspects where it's like, oh, good question. I've actually, yeah, it's a good question, that Ben. I've actually, people see me as. I think in the outside world, oh, he's a fan. He's with he's he's one of these. This that and that. But I, I'm actually quite good at what I do as well. I'm not just a fan, you know. And and I think there might be a stage in in my career where you're thinking, right, I've got to go elsewhere now to to really kick on in what I want to do. Not not be known as Shay Coach Shay. He's the he's the Cobb City fan. He's loves the club. He's passionate. Oh, he's been here for years. You know, there will come a stage where you know, right, the time is right. I've got to move on now. Or you know, the commentary might go, right, we, we want to move you on. You, you don't know, you know, that, that time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think at this moment, so I, I love what I do. I've thought about what you've just said, Ben, that there is time you think, oh, this would have, and it would be a different challenge. You know, for example, if I went to Aston Villa, for example, you, you know, it would be a different challenge itself. 
I wouldn't have the same passion as I would being involved wanting the first team to win because it's not it wouldn't be my club. But you have the development and the passion to develop players go on in the game. I get my buzz from seeing a player go and play in the football league or playing the you know that's what you get your buzz out of you know or playing in the first team. That I don't think, doesn't matter what club it's at. I think if you still see players that you've worked with playing the first team or earn a career at the game and you've helped them that one percent. Yeah, that's what you do. What I think. I've always, um, I've always looked at players that have played against. I, I mean, I mention any names at this current moment in time, but I always see players play against their boyhood club, so to speak. So, putting it in a coaching perspective, let's say you went across to Villa and yeah. you had City in the cup or something like that. How, how would that genuinely make you feel? I mean, you must feel some passion towards the City, and you, you've got a chuckle in there, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I don't think, I think, I just think you're professional and you get paid to work for that football club, so you'd be professional, yeah. you know, I think you, I, I couldn't answer it because I'm not, I haven't been in that situation, but I think, you know, the badge, uh, someone said to me, that badge is Velcro, it comes off, you move a club, you put another one on, that's it, you're still working for what you do, but I know you, but that's, that's as a coach's point of view or a, an employee, but as a fan, Coventry City will always be there. Yeah, the, 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 see, the, that that is the equivalent of because I might come back to the week and I might be a, I could be a fan again, you know. Yeah, fan again, you know. So that, that that's the equivalent of you know having to wear a villa shirt for a bet, but you wear your cop shirt underneath so it doesn't touch your skin. <laughs> so just just just, 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 just yeah. do something like that. That that's made me chuckle like. Oh, I, I remember feeling dirty. I, I had to buy a Villa shirt two years ago for uh, Secret Santa for work. Um, it, well, it was someone leaving around the same sort of time. And they were like, oh, Neil, you're the only one that knows him. I was like, yeah, he's a massive Villa fan. Like, can you get a Villa shirt? I was like, no, I can't. I, I can't do it. I, I even went into, so I had to go into the Villa shop at Villa Park. Oh, I feel dirty saying this. And even then, I was like, is there any way you can make it come up on my bank statement or something else? Because I don't want it to say that. But just something. And then I, I actually paid the woman an extra fiver to carry it and put it in my car because I didn't want to touch the bag. <laughs> so I literally didn't want anything to do with it at all. Um, but then, I'm not being funny, I know football. If Villa approached me now and said, you right, Neil? Uh, I know you're not a coach, mate, but do you want to come look after our under-23s full-time? Yeah, of course I do, mate. Do, Give me the tracks yeah. you on there, on there in a heartbeat sort of thing. So, and, and look, f- football's a fickle game. You, you touched on it yourself there, Che, uh, with, with your man at Manfield. Fantastic at his job, but three minutes down the line, someone decides it's it's not quite right. Uh, I'm sure there's times with, with the gaffer at Gov, you know, there's times where he's probably possibly been looking over his shoulder thinking, oh, well, I haven't won for two or three games here. I know what football's like. It's quite fickle. Um so where you are somewhere that's come with the ball, it, it just makes sense to kind of stick around. You know, it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, true. That's exactly right now, yeah. With your career aspirations, Shay, sorry to put in, with your career aspirations, where do you see yourself fully heightening yourself to? I know you said you kind of didn't want to go into management until kind of was like you know ten years down the line. So yeah. would you say that is in your long term career progression? I mean, where does where does that go? Do you want to stay in coaching for for the rest of your yeah. for the rest of your life or? I, I do. I, I do want to stay in coaching the rest of my life. I don't. I don't see myself doing anything else. I do. You know, like I said, I love being on the graph, but 
I also love working with people, and you know, like you said if you can affect that one percent in their in their career and help them in some way, you know, it's no better for me. There's no better feeling than seeing someone kick on. So, I do want to stay in coaching. Uh, there's loads of roles involved in coaching now. You know, there's absolutely, and, and again, in ten years' time, there might even be more. There's just mm-hmm. so many roles there. There's individual coaches, position-specific coaches, there's technical coaches, there's tactical coaches, there's position-specific coaches, there's individual learning coaches, there's everything now in these big clubs. They've got throwing coaches, set-piece coaches. <laughs> <laughs> the, list, the list goes on. So I don't know where that'll be, but like I said, I have got aspirations in, in, in one day, and, and I don't know when that one day be, in, in being in a job where three points matters. Yeah. You've got I, think, uh, I think for me as well, like the way the way you speak so passionately, not just about our football club, but in terms of the game as a whole. Like, have you ever considered like a role within the FA? Just just the way you come across and the way you you love the game and the way you want to to to, to progress youth talent. Yeah. Is that something you've thought about? Whether it's an educator or something to do with the pyramid or. Yeah, but you're right. But I've had loads of thoughts. Do, what do I want to do? Yeah, academy manager? Would that be something I want to do? Is is head of coaching? Is it going into the FA, doing the development role there, or doing the coaches? I have been thinking all them things all the time. What, what would I do next? Um, and you never know. Like, I always had an ambition when I started coaching. I wanted in the eighteens city job, and in the back of my mind, thinking I don't think I'd ever get that. I was thinking, oh, I don't think I'd ever get it. And then before you know it. By hard work, drive, and thinking, I've got it. So you're thinking, right, I've done it. Now. What's next? What yeah. Do you know, I haven't cracked it. Don't, no, no, I've nowhere near cracked it. I've, I've, this is my third season, and I've still got loads to learn uh, under 18. Still got loads to learn. But yeah, who knows? And something I've thought about because, like you said, if you can help a coach go on, yeah. then it would be the same as helping a player go on, you know? But. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. Um, one question I've got to ask because it's quite poignant at the minute. Is football coming home, Che? <laughs> I, I have this debate with my mates all the time. <laughs> sitting in the pubs and everything else. Portugal won it that time, being stubborn, hard to beat, this, that, and that. I remember Greece in 2004, horrible to watch. Horrible to watch. Horrible, but... We're, we're not good to watch and it's, we're not great to watch but what we've got we're strong defensively we've kept I think we've conceded one goal in the last nine games in all competitions um, and I just look at it and I'm thinking you know what if we could beat the Germans if you look at our running and we get to a final and you're playing a France City in a one-off game who knows who knows at Wembley with 60 odd thousand like if we could beat the Germans and I think we can while watching now I think, I think we could beat them because it'd be a different game and I think we've got players the team that we've got, I think we've got players setting up better for counter-attacking football, not dominating the ball. So yeah. To the better sides, I think we'd actually be better, you know, when you've got Sterling, Foden, Grealish running with the board and carrying us up the pitch and being hard to beat. I think, I think, I think we've got a chance. I really do. This is a weird question. Here's, do you, do you question enjoy watching football? I work with coaches, Neil, who, who actually, I've told me they hate it. Mm. Uh, I'm really sad so <laughs> I'm really sad so I'll be watching every single night a game of football if it's non-league League 2 League 1 Championship Premier League Champions League I'll, I'll, I'll watch every single game what's on the telly I'll watch it mm. I'll even go I even like going to watch games League, National League just to have a look you know um, but I watch football all the time and and the learning 
was watching Italy the other day and I was thinking, bloody hell, look at the look at the way the press, look at the way they're playing out, look at that. You know, like yeah, they've got top players to do it, but you always take little bits from the games all the time. All the time. See, see, see that, that's the, the point I was I, I was kind of implying. Do you sit there with a notepad and pen, or do you sit there with a beer in your hand and enjoy it, sort of thing? Uh, I do like Bye. a beer. I do like a beer. Uh, <laughs> there, have, there actually have been times where I've seen something. I thought I've got I've got to write that down. Yeah, I have wrote something down. Or if I'm at a game myself, I always if I'm watching a live game, I always have a notepad and pen with me, or take my phone. You know, take photos of certain things. Uh, because it, it's just more for myself. It's not. I'll go back to Coventry and go. Fuck Italy have done this. We're doing this because it's yeah. You know, they might just little glimpses and tips, and this is what they did. Or you know, it's um, having real clarity in what you want is the hardest thing as a coach. And I think it's took me till now to realise what I really want and how I want my players to play and how I want them to be. It's took me nine years. Took me nine years to having real clarity. Whereas before, an idea would come in my head and I'll go right. Let's do this, and then the players are all confused. You know, mm. having real clarity in what you want and what your coach wants to do, I think is so important. So important. I, I really like that about you, Shay. Really, really like that about you. In, in the fact that I think a lot of young coaches out there feel they've got to have that philosophy straight away, whether they're coaching an under-sixes team, an under-eights team, yeah. an under-12s team. And it's not that easy. Yeah. Like you say, we've, we've touched on it earlier in this, in this podcast. You've got different players that need different needs all yeah. the time. So your philosophy is constantly changing. It's like, like you said, with, with watching Italy, you could pick up something there straight away and go, right, I'm going to try that with my under-12s. But you've constantly got to adapt and change and and just do things in different ways. So what, I mean, your philosophy must have changed hundreds and hundreds of times as a coach, you know. I know oh, you're not in there. Oh, <laughs> oh, ben, I did my A-licence, right? And we sat down and we had to present our philosophy. And I was like, what's a philosophy? I was... <laughs> What's a philosophy? I went to Woodlands, mate. What's a philosophy? <laughs> People are coming in and talking about their philosophy, and I'm going, I haven't even got one. And I remember presenting on my own license my philosophy to, to some like top people in the game, and going, oh, this, I don't really believe in what I'm doing, saying it, because it's not me. Whereas that was three or four years ago. But then as time goes on, and I, I've started coaching under 18s, you're thinking, right, this is how I want your team to play out from the back. Why? Well, I want. I don't want to go, this is how we play out from the back because if the opposition change how we play against them, we've got to change situations. Yeah. And I've, I always say the players are the objects. You know, if he stood there, where are you going to move now? There. Okay, yeah, superb. If he stood there, you stand still because you can get the ball there. You know, it's all changes so much. And as long as the players understand clarity, but what you've got to have them, you've got, they've got to be free. They've got mm-hmm. to go on that pitch and they've got to be free in their mind. They can't be robots. Oh, they told me to do that. Because the moment they start doing that, I think you don't get much out of them. Um, they've got to be free, and, and that's the hardest skill as a coach. You know, giving them, give them so much. So playing out for the week, so for example, we're doing playing out for the back. Give them so much, and then it's up to them. Then in that situation, why have you done that? Because of that, okay, well done. You know, because because yeah. you've taught them so much. Um, I know you said kind of like that they need to go on the pitch free, and I love that expression. They have. You have to. Yeah. Um, I think we talked in a group chat the other day, Neil, about. Um, kind of something like football is non-recorded and non-competitive up until the age of 10 or something like that now. How how do you think the youth model now at grassroots football is affecting the players that you get through up until under-18s, under-23s as such? Is it is it that they're not as competitive? I mean, you've been in the game a long time. Is it that they're not as competitive? Is it they don't go out freely because they haven't got that winning nature? I don't know. I mean, I've coached myself and I think Every player's got that desire to win. Of course they have. 
But do you feel like players are being moulded differently now when they're coming through to you? Yeah, it's a good question, Ben. Um, I, I just think uh, they could, it's got to be. We, we, I make my best sessions, uh, and this is. This is as simple as it is. My best sessions, I know the players thrive off. There's not much learning going in where you go, right, you bib them up straight away, two teams. Everything we're doing today is competitive. So mm. at the start of this, the warm-up, they might be doing relays, competitive, right, and the score carries on to the, the rondos, 5v2s, right, first 10 passes, 1-0, yeah, two years yeah. going. And everything we do, possession, right, 5v3 possession, competitive, competitive, and they're in their teams the whole way through because... Yeah. And they're the best sessions. The players love them. And you get a small side of the game, conditioned, and at the end of it, and it's all buzzing, easier points, easier scores. And for me, they love them. They love them sort of sessions. They absolutely So would you say for like a, a, a younger coach, someone that's listening to this, I mean, obviously you've got a load of followers on, on Twitter and social media, and I'm sure there's young coaches listening to this. They're being told actively, oh, don't, don't record your score on the FA website. Don't play social media. As, as a coach yourself... Incorporate that competition in your drills. Yeah. Incorporate it in different ways. Maybe, you know, it'll come through on the pitch, but obviously they want silent touchlines. How can you get that competition through with a silent touchline? But then you're saying, you know, incorporate in training. It'll aid the, the gameplay. Yeah, 100%. You know, just make it... Honestly, the players, they absolutely thrive on it. And you don't even have to get to run around or press him because they've got their mates battering on because they want to win. And that's yeah. it's nothing better, you know. You put session, but we don't we don't do them all the time because there's got to be times where they've got to start working patterns of play and set yeah. pieces and the ball and stuff that they ate. But you, you, you've got to, um, oh, for me, it's got to be competitive, and we try and make everything competitive. Everything we do. But, but, but you do you add that fun element into it? So obviously you've got the, the, the you encourage the banter between the two teams, you know, greens versus oranges sort of thing. It takes me back. I, I don't know why this has come to my head, but as you were talking then, I remember the drill that I used to do when I was a kid. And it was 15-yard sprint and there was a, uh, a grid set out and you played noughts and crosses. Yeah. Two teams against each other. You had a green a team with green bibs, a team with orange bibs. One person go at a time from each team. You, you, you drop your bib and get back, tag your mate, and you do it that way. And that used to be so much fun yeah. and banter and competitive used to come out in that little drill. Why do you remember that? Yeah, like you say, because it was fun. You know, I'm, I'm 32 now. I couldn't even dream of, uh, of doing anything like that these days. I was oh, can't have breath getting out of bed. But, like, you know, it was stuff like that. I just think of it. I just think that that was such fun. And the camaraderie you had with, with your lads, and it was three teams of five. Whoever wins, there's a forfeit for the other two, and you try and stitch each other up, you know, oh, 20 press-ups and that sort of stuff. That's it. You always, you know, ultimately, what, why did these under 18 start playing football? Ultimately, because they loved it and they enjoyed it. So you've got to keep that element, you know, if they're not enjoying it, you're thinking it's not really fit. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to. And and, and this this goes full, full circle a little bit. My daughter's three. She loves football. Uh, we take her to a, to, to a coaching session on a Saturday morning. I remember the first session my wife saying to me afterwards, that wasn't football though, because she just ran around with beanbags to, you know, different colour beanbags to different colour cones. And I was like, yeah, but I can see what they're trying to do. It's a case of, They've got a football at their feet. They're dribbling, but they don't understand tactics. They don't understand the yeah. basics of football. But let them kick a football about while they play a game, yeah. and, and make it as fun that way. It's just like, but but how are they going to learn from that? So because that's the stuff that embeds, yeah. so that when you get to that later stage, ten, eleven, where it starts getting a bit more competitive, 
you still have you have those basics embedded in your brain to both second nature. I want to touch on the flip side of, of your um, daughter's enjoyment in football, Neil, where you've just touched on kind of like punishments for yourself where, you know, you say you're doing 20 press-ups. I remember speaking to someone a while back and saying that punishment shouldn't be like press-ups and stuff like that because it's seen as a negative. You know, players should be actively doing push-ups in a gym or whatever else to build their strength. How, how, how do you incorporate that into your coaching shape? Is there such thing as a punishment or go and do laps or press-ups? Or, yeah, or... there is, Ben, because oh. it helps benefit the lad. So mm-hmm. you've got me doing 20 press-ups, for example. You're thinking, right, and then we, as staff, we might go down with them. Like, Come on, we'll do 20 press-ups. Or, you know, because uh, it's helping. You're actually improving. They're doing a forfeit, but it's actually improving that because mm. they're doing 20, 30 press-ups or whatnot. Um, and then sometimes you get the opposition lads who weren't doing it. I will do it as well with them, you know, and it's like sort of thing. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's what, how much you're allowed to do now. That's the question, you know. With yeah, that that kind of goes back to the question we were asking before about you know, you know the jobs and stuff. Jay, honestly, I could sit here and talk to you for hours, mate. Um, but but I, I think I can't let you go. You know, we're all car fans here. You work at the club. This ain't going out for two weeks. Give us an exclusive, mate. You've got to know summer, haven't you? Come on. <laughs> no, I have nothing to do with that. Nothing to do. And, and, and to be honest, I don't ask questions. I, you know, I don't ask questions. Um, we, we were sorting all the kit out tomorrow, the training kit for these, the, the, the um, scholars. Beautiful. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Um, but that's something that will spread through as a club, isn't it? So they have the continuation through the ranks, don't they? It's all the same training kit, no matter uh, what level you play it at. Used, it never used to, Ben. Um, we used to be different. Oh, okay. Where this year, we, again, this is the progression we brought in this year. What the first team are wearing is what the academy are going to be wearing now. So, so the first team will be trained in Navy, and now the under eights are trained in Navy the same. It's all the way through. Okay. So you've got the link. Our first team, the the manager and AD, whatever they're about, whatever they're wearing, our academy staff's the same. So it's all connected, and which is great. A little thing that one percent different. Yeah, I love that. There's one question that I've seen on Twitter that's just come to my head, and Ollie, I'm going to ask it for you. Mark Robbins always seems to wear a pair of grey Nike Max. Is that the same <laughs> pair for like four years, or does it just have like 15 pairs of them? We need to know that, Che. Can you find out for us, mate? I can ask you, Neil. I'll ask for you. <laughs> nah, if if you can, mate, because to be fair, I think the admin's getting a bit annoyed because Ollie keeps badgering him every day with pictures asking if Matt Robbins <laughs> wears the same Nike Air Max. Um, on the subject of kit, please tell me we've got a purple and yellow away kit next season, Che, because that's all I want. That's all I want for Christmas. I have no idea. No idea. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he's not away, mate. Yeah, it is. I, 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 I thought I'd lure him to a false sense of security, you know. You know, be all pally pally. I think I might get a little gem. You know, it, professional. Uh, has he seen? Has he seen Joe Willock knocking around the training ground? That sort of stuff. But nothing, nothing. Oh, really? <laughs> Jay, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Really appreciate you giving up your time, pal. Man, Neil, I've really enjoyed that. Cheers for that, Ben. No worries, mate. Apologies for my poor internet connection as well, but uh, it pulled through at the end, didn't it? So. Yeah, we'll move back to a CV postcode, but we'll be all right, mate. Um, <laughs> if, if anyone listening doesn't follow you, Jay, where can they find you on social media, mate? Yeah, uh, Twitter, uh, at, at Shay J. Thompson. It used to be Coach Shay, but I've changed it. Shay J. Thompson it is. Um, that's, that's all I'm on, to be fair. 
Wicked, mate. Wicked, no, but really appreciate you giving up your time to speak to us, mate. And uh, if anyone's got any questions now, they're more than welcome to tweet me or anything else and ask questions. And, 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 and same as you, Nick and Benny, when the COVID's down down, if you want to come in at the academy and see what we do, you're more than welcome to come in. Mate, I, I'd, I'd love to come and have a look. And like I said, um, yeah, I, I, I'll definitely pop up and grab a game now. I know it's encouraged, mate. Yeah. Uh, see, see what you're working with. Um, been a pleasure, mate. Thanks very much. Top man. Cheers, Cheers lads. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. What's the Crack Podcast? Proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no-obligations quote.